Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome back to the Brian Book Club. It's been a while since we have done one of these. So today I kind of have an interesting book to talk about. It's not quite a horror book, but the story that is behind this book and the story that continues to follow this book to this day is somewhat tied into a real world horror, which I feel can be used as motivation for any storyteller or any player and a wide variety of Chronicles of Darkness or One World of Darkness games. So the book that we'll be talking about today is called In the Belly of the Beast, written by a guy named Jack Henry Abbott. It's actually called In the Belly of the Beast, Letters from Prison. I came across this book because like many things, I or many storytellers or many players, I'm sure, that play these games of ours, I'm always having ideas of different games and stories I want to run, depending on the game line or just something will just get me down this rabbit hole where... Next thing I'm knowing, I'm like on Amazon, just one clicking away, buying books or just trying to find books, get book recommendations, dealing with specific subjects. So an idea in my has been in my head for a while rattling around about running a story in a world of darkness setting set in a prison. And, you know, we've all seen countless lockup shows on MSNBC or on Netflix. You see them all the time, reruns all the time. And so I actually want to get into some books about the subject. To be frank. I find the subculture, the prison subculture to be fascinating at times. Uh, not, you know, not the violence or any of the, the bad stuff, but just how it's this own little ecosystem of its sort. So I went through this period where I was just buying books that I could find dealing with prison. Believe it or not, it's actually not an easy task to find good books that aren't self-published about prison. So what I did was I came across this book in the belly of the beast. And usually what happens a little behind the scenes, peek behind the curtain here, is I'll buy these books, I'll throw them in my bookshelf, and then when it's time for me to find a new book in my reading cycle, I'll just grab a book. I'll look and I'm like, oh, okay, this book. So I was looking at my bookshelf and I had ordered this book in one of my rabid, mindless Amazon uh, purchases, and I really didn't remember too much about the book, so I kind of glanced it over, and I and I got a little bit of information from reading the back of it, and I started reading it. And while reading this book, it kind of had me doing research about the guy who wrote it and a bunch of different things, which we'll be talking about. And it just opened my eyes, and I discovered all these other books, and just kind of discovered how this one little book had an impact on so many people's lives, and those impacts, I feel provide a wealth of inspiration that can be used for different world of darkness games. So what's the book about? Well, it's not really a non, well, it's, it's not a fiction book, but it's not really a nonfiction book, I guess I would say too. So in 1980, around 1980, 81, I think an author named Norman Mailer wrote a book called the executioner song, which I actually might do a Brian book club about, but it's a great book. It won a Pulitzer Prize, and it basically is a nonfiction book that tells a tale of a guy getting out of prison who spent a lot of his childhood and a lot of his adult time incarcerated, got out of the the, the prison system, and basically tells a story of him uh, killing a couple people and then going back to prison. It's a really lengthy book, really good book, a book matter of fact that I'm in the middle of reading at this moment. Love the book. So the author, Norman Mailer, who wrote that book, was trying to get other sources from people 
uh, other like um, I guess sources and of information about prison from prisoners who are currently incarcerated, who are currently incarcerated. So one gentleman he came across was, and I use that term very loosely, was a guy named Jack Henry Abbott, and Jack Henry Abbott wrote these books, or excuse me, wrote these letters to Norman Miller describing his experiences in prison. And these letters inspired Norman Miller so much that he ended up collecting them into a book. And that's what In the Belly of the Beast is, letters from prison are these different letters that Jack Abbott wrote to Norman Miller while helping him out on the Executioner song. So once this book was published, Norman Mailer and a bunch of the beatnik authors at this time, like I said, it was in the, in the early eighties. So they were older, you know, these were authors who were popular during the fifties and sixties, but a bunch of celebrities and authors in New York city got behind this movement to get Jack Henry Abbott out of prison on, on probation because they were saying he had a gift with words and that he was basically this, this next modern day fascinating author. And that like, if he got out of prison, he could leave this life of becoming an author and, and change his ways and so on and so forth. So there's this really big celebrity push to get him out of prison. Sound familiar? Seems like we see that oftentimes now with every new Netflix documentary series that comes out or podcast series where people now are getting pop culture people and people are getting behind trying to, to free certain individuals from prison. So um, this happened. He was able to get out on probation, even though people are parole, I think it's called, excuse me, get, he was able to get out of parole and there was warnings. People said, Hey, this man shouldn't be out. He's a dangerous man, but he got out. He, he got out anyway. So he went to New York city and became the toast of the town. All these famous people, these writers were like showing him off at these dinner parties, so on and so forth. And for like three or four weeks, this guy was just like a, a star, you know, he's being bragged about, he's being shown off. Well, one night he went into this diner like at two or three in the morning with two uh, two females and he went in there and he wanted to use the employee only bathroom. And this waiter had to exp explain to him like, hey, you can't use that. That's the employee only bathroom. I'm sorry. And Jack Abbott stabbed the dude to death right there in the restaurant, went on the run, was end up, I think, found on a drilling rig in like in Louisiana and was arrested. And a bunch of people frankly had egg on their face a bunch of celebrities had egg on their face because they said this guy was an animal they they said the the criminal justice system was over exaggerating and was trying to hold him down and he was an animal he ended up uh, representing himself in his own trial for that murder actually christopher Watkins and i think it was susan sarandon came there and were trying to say that he should not be in prison because of his writing skills but this is a man who like stabbed someone and cold blood murder in the middle of a restaurant at three in the morning in new york city just because he couldn't use the bathroom uh jack abbott ended up killing himself and uh i think like 10 years later ended up killing himself tried to write another book and the book didn't do well and he's and and uh, i can't remember the who it was but one of the the one of the beatnik era writers who had like supported um jack abbott actually killed himself not too long after jack abbott committed that murder and a lot of people think it's tied to the embarrassment that he felt from backing someone like jack abbott and realizing that these people him and his friends had supported this cold-blooded murder just simply because they felt he wrote good and that that they were trying to look more enlightened it was, re it was really crazy and there's actually another book that was written by a gentleman named jerome loving called Jack and Norman that tells a story about the the relationship between Jack Abbott and the writer Norman Mailer and how like Norman Mailer pretty much had, like I said, egg on his face from this whole ordeal. So before I knew all this that had happened, 
I had started reading this book and reading this book to be blunt while the guy has had a wonderful skill of writing and, and using words and really pulled you in with his letters. My bullshit detector went off from the start. The you have to understand this man was educated in the system. He had spent a lot of his time in the system. So, but my point being why my bullshit detector went off is a lot of his stories just reeked of him over exaggerating or being a liar and a lot of the shit that he was saying. And, you know, I, I just feel in life that I've come to the point in my life where I read something and I can kind of know when someone's being, uh, is just thrown around hyperbole. And that's what I felt from the start when I was reading this, like the, he, and you have to understand when reading this, this man, like I said, had been self-taught. So a lot of concepts he learned from reading in prison, but he never really had taught to him. And there's nothing wrong with being self-taught. I'm a lot, a lot of my life. I was self-taught, self-taught before I went to, to college as an adult, but you can tell by the terms and the naive ways that he throws around terms. And plus, he he, he frankly lies a lot. And he and he, he's a self-proclaimed communist. And there's nothing I'm not getting into politics saying he's right or wrong. But just the way that you can tell that a lot of the things that he says in this book is to back up his political belief that he recently just discovered. And some of it is so out there. Like, like I'm not talking about just like common stories. Some of the stories are so out there that it doesn't make sense what he's saying. And that with even even in the criminal justice system, which does have its issues and prisons, which do have their issues, the stuff that he is saying is so outlandish that it makes you wonder why anyone was even so quick to believe this. And, you know, the, the, this man, this man, the, the parole board was quick to warn some people on the parole board that this man was a monster. Like he legitimately had been a problem prisoner. He was constant. He had killed a man in prison. He was constantly like getting thrown and, um, and, and, and segregation. He was, he was constantly just a problem child. He wasn't good, but because of this huge like movement by these celebrities to get him out because of his writing skills. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it all worked behind the scenes, but it was, it was frankly, I'm flabbergasted to hear that that happened. So a lot of you guys are probably at this point, like I'm tired of hearing you talk about this guy, talk about this. How is this going to help me run a world of darkness game or play in a world of darkness game? And, and all the, what I've just said has kind of been built up to that. So the one main thing is that this man was a sociopath. He was, he, he was a sociopath. He was selfish. He was not a good person. He was an animal. A lot of these writers and actors who supported him after he killed, apologized. They realized what they did. He had fooled them. He had calmed them. And I think that is inspiration in itself when you read these letters, to, read this book of letters to see how people like him try to fool people like us. You know, oftentimes in these games of ours, these world darkness games, we know there's no really black and white, right? Like a lot of it's a gray texture, right? A lot of, a lot of characters are gray. Like a lot of PCs are gray. A lot of NPCs are gray. And I think there's a, a level of how darker or how lighter they go in that gray. And I think oftentimes in the medium of being like, like storytelling, a tabletop role-playing game, we have a hard time expressing how darker people can get by how they talk and how they communicate and what they try to do rather than the acts that they do. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, you will have an NPC or a PC and you know, this person's not a good person. And a lot of times in a storytelling medium, we are used to describing visuals and descriptors 
about what a person is. I, I, you know, frankly, when I first started running Twin Cities by night, you know, a lot of times I'll go back and I'll listen to my our old stuff, and I'll realize that I rely too heavy on descriptors and scenes and actions to get the horror across of how bad someone is. You know, you can talk about like someone like the if, for those of you who listen to our actual plays, the introduction of Roman Duncern in the first arc, negligence is a prime example of that. I look back, I, I listen to that sometimes, like I could have handled that differently, maybe. I could have maybe built it up differently, whatever. But a lot of times there are bad people in this world that while they are setting up or doing bad things, we don't realize it. Or they just simply are trying to manipulate people. We don't like really re- it's we don't realize it because sometimes we are falling for what they are saying. And reading this book, I felt that I walked away. I mean, I didn't believe any of the bullshit that this guy said in the book, but I walked away with like, oh, now I feel that I can speak from the perspective in character of an NPC who is trying to fool people and make it believable. And a lot of people may be listening. It's like, oh, well, why can't you just have an NPC or a PC who just lies? Yeah, you can do that. I mean, there's liars who are, you know, very great at lying and you think they're telling the truth or whatever, but this man in here is passionate. He wants to be a revolutionary. He wants to expose things, quote unquote, expose things in the criminal justice system. He wants to tell people who will never spend a day in the criminal justice system that he is there should be their trusted guide into what they see. And because he is that trusted guide to show them what is wrong, that he should get something in return. That's a very powerful thing. We see that constantly. People put their faith and a person, it could be religion, it could be government, it could be whatever. And they expect that person who has exposure to something in this world that that they do not have to be telling them the truth about that on the other side, that injustice. In this case, Jack Abb is talking about how how fucked up the the, the criminal justice system is. And and I'm not, I'm not saying there's no room for reform. There is. But the, like I said, the stuff that this man was saying was so outlandish and people put their trust in him because he was good at writing and at prose. So I tell myself there's a lot of opportunities in World of Darkness games to do that. You can have just normal street level characters who do that, normal people who do that, right? You can have someone who's from maybe a lower income area trying to tell rich debutants what is wrong and try to fleece them for money to fix that. But you can even do that in more of a cult-like behavior because no matter what we... I mean, I think we all can agree that in different World of Darkness games, there's different kind of cultish aspects about certain things. If it's Vampire the Masquerade, you know, it's like ghouling. Or if it's like Werewolf the Apocalypse, it could be, you know, um, the tribal mentality or just like kinfolk or so on and so forth in different games. And so sometimes I think that while even, and I've been guilty of this too, as a storyteller, I have, okay, I'm going to have this guy who's a cult person who's in charge of some kind of cult or a group of people, but it's really hard to articulate how someone like that talks because we're really not exposed to that. I mean, you can watch movies, I guess, but we're really not exposed to that. So I feel that's one thing that this book can do is find you how a way a person like that communicates to people who they want to take advantage of and who are gullible and who are, who, and he's fired up and he has passion. He comes across passion in there. So that's one way that you can do that. Now, when I was reading this also, I could not help but think of a great idea for like a Toyodor in Vampire the Masquerade, like kind of like a Toyodor story arc or whatever to show just like maybe take someone like a Jack Abbott character who has had this kind of, you know, life 
and is used and flaunted around by like some toy doors and social circles, kindred social circles in Vampire the Masquerade. You know, they take this author and they, they, they know is murderous, but has a good choice of words. And they, they show them to the friends and they want to get status and they want to show all this stuff. And then this guy ends up going and murdering someone in a restaurant over a public bathroom. And just like the, the egg that they would have on their face and it would just be like this whole political harpy game, which to be honest, I've never really tried to tackle that. I know Vampire the Masquerade story, any story that I ran, because I have found that like it is complicated and it's a complicated thing that I don't think I have ta- I could tackle. But reading this, it makes me kind of want to try to tackle that in game, you know, so you can almost say that this Brian Book Club could be like a three parter. It could be in the belly of the beast written by Jack Henry Abbott. It could be the book, the executioner song by Norman Mailer. And then finally, to wrap those two books up, you could read a book that was written just this year called Jack and Norman by Jerome Loving and see how like someone with social status, a a post surprise writer did so much to get this one person thinking it was going to elevate him to show him that he took this person on the prison system. And now they are this renowned writer and it just failed horribly. Reputations were lost. I cannot stress enough that, uh, I mean, someone, it is thought that someone, uh, an accomplished writer took their life after this because they were part of someone backing Jack Henry Abbott. So, Take it what you will. You know, what I said here, check these books out if you want. I'm just telling you all folks how this is what I took away from reading this. And that's one thing that I love about the Brian Book Club is I feel that I can share the inspiration that I get from different mediums. And I do feel in a way that this is a horror, like a little horror set of books. Because in the end, someone lost their life because of a bunch of naive people. Because of one prisoner who, who knew he could take advantage of these people. And I think that that is something that could really put almost like a real world feel into your games too. So if you'd like to reach us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, or you can find us on Facebook at twin cities by night. If you'd like to support us, you can find our Patreon link in the description of this podcast. We don't hide anything behind a paywall, but any little bit helps. Other than that, I'll talk to you all later. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at 
highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The Central District is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. <laughs> <laughs> 